0: Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Monday, April 4th, Championship Monday edition of the Basement Academy. Have to give a shout out to the Kansas Jayhawks, Rock Chuck Jayhawk. My wife Krista began her undergraduate studies at Kansas University. We have family who live in Lawrence, uh, and I think I've shared this with Scott Smith, uh, Krista's cousin, um, 40 years old, uh, is suffering with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, and um, just a very powerful just just recently, maybe three weeks ago, the week before the tournament began, March Madness began. Scott was in the locker room uh, with Coach Self and the team, and, and Coach um, made made clear reference to Scott's perseverance, his resilience, his spiritual strength, and emotional strength, uh, fighting this battle. Uh, in my head part of what the Jayhawks are going through and their success right now is tied to Scott being there with them in the locker room. It's a a powerful story. So invite your prayers uh, for Scott and his family uh, and uh, certainly invite your cheering for the Jayhawks tonight. Uh, Let's uh, begin with our morning psalm, Psalm 4. It's a psalm of David for the stringed instruments. Answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. How long, O men, will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. In your anger, do not sin, When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and trust in the Lord. Many are asking, who can show us any good? Let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. I will lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Mm. And so we offer the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving to God through Jesus Christ, right sacrifices and our trust in him. Okay, we have been for several weeks now at our Sermon on the Mount study. The last couple of weeks, we've been seeing this clear contrast between uh, a kingdom righteousness and a righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees and the hypocrites. The uh, outward pharisaic righteousness that focuses on the letter of the law and the traditions that they have erected interpretations that seemingly only are able to be um, obeyed or honored by themselves and so they have created themselves the pharisees sit in this position of kind of elite religious status the makers of the rules who then kind of by definition are able to to righteously obey the rules they've met. And so there's a sense of self-righteousness. It's referential to, to self, but it's outward. Um, the last, last week, the giving, the praying, the fasting, do not be like the hypocrites who, pr- who give and pray and fast to be seen by men. I tell you, they have their reward in full. Rather, you give and pray and fast in secret, where your Father who is unseen, you cannot see the Father with your eye, but he sees you, okay? And so, that's where we've been, and so we pick up in chapter 6, verse 19, and this is going to seem to us, right about now is where we start to kind of begin to think of the Sermon on the Mount as just a string of beautiful pearls that are strung together, each with their own beauty. Each little teaching of Jesus kind of stands on its own and it sits on the string of pearls taken together. It's beautiful. But what we must insist on that this sermon continues to flow. There is a flow to this. So when Jesus writes now about treasures on earth and heaven, And two masters, he's still speaking about the contrast between Pharisaic righteousness and kingdom righteousness. Okay, so we pick up in chapter 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, You cannot serve both God and money. Pow, pow, pow. Wow. Okay, we know this passage, right? Maybe not by heart, but where your heart, where your treasure is, your heart will be also store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, not on earth. But we certainly know that you can't serve two masters. Okay? And so, we think, Jesus. typically we lift this out of context, and we might hear this in a stewardship sermon or some other context. We see some of these verses uh, quoted, again, divorced from the flow of thought that Jesus has been developing uh, here in this sermon. We must keep these in context. There is a contrast between Pharisaic righteousness and kingdom righteousness, between an outer righteousness that is seen by men and an inward righteousness that is, un- that, that, that is unseen by the world, but is seen by God. Okay? And so there's this outer inner uh, a contrast. And then you've got this language, uh, just the verses right before this, they have their reward in full they have their reward in full three times and so the pharisees seek a treasure on earth the recognition of men all the the status the elite uh, acknowledgement and recognition and the applause of others but there is another treasure There is another kind of, there's another realm where rewards and treasures can be laid up. And so go to the prayer closet, give in secret. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Don't let people know you're fasting. In your pursuit of God and your your seeking to please God, don't toot your horn. Don't, Don't have that be an outward expression. Have it be an inward expression. Though you cannot see God, he sees you. And so there's this contrast between the perishable world and the imperishable. Here, uh, uh, rust and moth uh, and and thieves can break in. So this is corruptible and and it, it can be lost. This inner world, this inner righteousness, this inner setting of our hearts on God can never be taken away from us. Okay, And so he's using the language of wealth. He's using the language of the world's goods. Yes, certainly. But it's not just about money. It's what that money represents. It it represents the, the physicality of this world and all that goes with it. And then he makes a connections with the eyes. And so he goes from treasures on earth and heaven where your heart or your treasure is, your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. It's the portal, it's the gateway to the heart. Your eyes somehow affect What's happening in your heart. So the Pharisees, they they calculated, they saw with their eyes, ah, the large crowd has gathered. I'm going to go now and say my prayers. The large crowd has gathered. I'm going to muss up my hair and groan about. The people will know I'm fasting. Oh, the large crowd has gathered. I'm going to toot my horn as I throw my coins into the collection plate. Uh, there for everyone to see, and so their eyes are looking at the world around them. They're calculating. Okay, if that if if your eyes are only gazing upon the world, the outer world, recognition and wealth and status and these things, then there's going to be a darkness in you, a corruption. Okay, so that that language of corruption and and fleeting perish perishable treasures. That's what's going to happen. Your inner world is going to be fleeting. It, it, it will be corrupted. It will be perishable. It will, it will, it will, it will uh, fade away, right? We have to remember the strong biblical tradition, the law and prophets, and the teachings of Jesus already in this sermon that speak about the power of the eyes. And so do not make for yourself graven images or idols, the second commandment. What your eyes set upon can become your God. And so uh, uh, Aaron made the golden calf, right? Moses is up on the mountain, a little delayed, the crowd's getting restless. And so, hey, scoop up, you know, he scoops up their earrings and gold jewelry and melts it down and out comes this God, Israel, behold your God. And so this, this, uh, what we gaze upon, what we give ourselves to, what our eyes fix upon and fixate upon will soon come to take first place in our hearts. Idolatry. And so the pathway to idolatry is through the eyes. We have to keep that in, in, in view here. Let me remind you that Jesus has already given us a beatitude. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And so a purity. there's a heart... There's eyesight of the heart, the pure heart that desires to do the will of God, will come to see God and behold him and recognize his hand at work in creation and salvation. You are the light of the world. Men do not light a lamp and put it under a bushel, but instead they set it in a high place so it can give light to the whole house. And so Jesus, as he talks about the eye is the lamp of the body, it gives light Lamp and light. Oh, he's already told us about lamps and lights. (laughs) And so, we're he's tying so the themes he's introduced in these opening uh, sections of the sermon, he's tying together. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your eye is bad, your whole there will be darkness within you. And so, the eye that is lusting after woman, there's a corruption. Uh, and a deception and an inward darkness, okay? And so this is, he's connecting these things together, but he pivots and uses this language, interestingly, of money, of, of treasure. And so you can't serve two masters. You're either gonna love one and hate the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. It, it It's that simple. But we would assume, most people would assume that the chief rival to God is gonna be the devil, Right? No, the chief rival to God is not the devil, it is mammon. That's the the, the Greek word that sits behind our English word money that we read here in verse uh, 24. And so the two masters, the language of the two masters represents the two forms of righteousness. The, the, The righteousness of the Pharisees is the world of mammon, the world of money i'm going to talk about that in just a second try to unpack that the kingdom righteousness is the kingdom of god okay and so the tendency is to only see this as a financial stewardship passage no 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 no, no. he's illustrating he's 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 using um an analogy or a metaphor money as that which is representative of that earthly treasure the earthly reward that the pharisees are are seeking the recognition of men, the applause of others, etc. And so, the chief rival to God is mammon. Now, it is rightly translated, money. Many of our English translations leave it as mammon, which I kind of prefer, because it provokes... What's mammon? It is that... (sighs) Mammon is... (laughs) the physical, tangible reality, the earthly treasure that Jesus counsels us against, that the Pharisees are pursuing, the have your reward in full. You do it to be seen by men. See, there's the language of the the eyesight. You're calculating, you're seeing the crowd gather, and you're trying to gather in front of them in a such way and do your righteous so that you can be seen by them. They can. So there's this eyesight thing going on. I see you gathering. I'm going to go, you know, throw my coins in, say my prayers, so that you can see me, I see you seeing me. And there's this horizontal plane, and that's the corruption of this world. So mammon is all that the world offers. Money, certainly money, but more than money. It is all that the world offers to divert us, to distract us, or to somehow deny us an opportunity to depend on God. Mammon is that which diverts us from dependence on God. It distracts us from dependence on God, or it denies altogether that God should be depended upon. Mammon says, depend on me. And that's why we rightly translate it as money. You see, money, friends, think about money. If I had my wallet in my pocket, I'd hold up I got a $20 bill. We were down officiating a wedding this weekend and took a little extra cash. And so I've got a $20 bill left over. If I tore that 20 in front of you, you'd go, ah, that's a $20 bill. It's a piece of paper with some numbers on it and a guy's picture and some other, you know, old timey words on it. But that piece of paper with those numbers represents something, doesn't it? We call it currency. Currency. Hmm. It allows me, money allows me to stay current. (laughs) I can buy what I want now, okay? If I have enough money, if I have enough mammon, if I have enough wealth, I can do what I want, when I want, where I want, as often as I want with whomever I want. And so mammon or money represents something. Why it is a chief rival why mammon the visible realm the earthly treasures the earthly recognition why it, it, why it's the chief rival to god because it represents security it represents well-being it, it represents value and worth not in itself, it gives me, it imparts to me a sense of value and worth, a sense of identity. I feel strong when I have money, when I, when, when my bank account is full, when I get the investment report and I see how my portfolio is doing on payday, I always feel a little bit better on payday, right? Okay. And so money represents, power. It, re- it represents access. It represents influence. It represents, in a word, freedom. Well, well, freedom is, is what takes us all the way back to the garden. Did God really say, you can't eat of any tree of the garden? Oh! God knows that when you eat of that tree, you will be like God. You will be free. You will be autonomous. You will be a law unto yourself. You'll be able to determine right and wrong for yourself. None of this waiting around for God to tell you what's right and wrong. You will be free and autonomous and independent of God. And so mammon is that which represents all that this broken, fallen, rebellious, sinful world has to offer to divert us from dependence on God, to distract us from dependence on God, but most importantly, to deny that dependence on God is something that we should pursue. Mammon says, be dependent on me. I don't know if you see how that works. And so Jesus said, that's the rival. And so, what the Pharisees are pursuing, he, he's kind of bringing it into focus now. They're focusing on the traditions, the, the things that they have erected. They're focusing on the letter of the law. Jesus cares about the heart. Kingdom righteousness cares about the heart. Pharisees are concerned about the outer recognition. They're calculating and they're seeing and they're getting their reward, their treasure on earth from the applause of the crowd as they play act their religion. They've got everybody fooled except the audience of one. God is not fooled. Jesus is not fooled by that kind of outward, mammon oriented. Again, a, 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 the Pharisees had stopped becoming dependent upon God, they were dependent upon their own efforts. They were dependent upon their ability to, to step on stage and create this impression of righteousness and zeal and, and, and um, holiness and piety before the people. And the people went along and they thought this was true. And then Jesus shows up and he cuts to the heart. And so, yes, this is a passage about money, but it's really not. It's about what our hearts are depending upon. Have we based our security? Have we based our identity? Have we based our sense of of power and control and influence and freedom? Have we invested all of that in mammon, what the world offers, the status that we have, the influence that we have, the wealth that we have, that effectively allows us to be independent from God. That's what this passage is doing. It's all tying together. And we'll see tomorrow when we read uh, the next few verses. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. And so, because that's what comes up when you start talking about money. The immediate objection, because it, it, it strikes at us, it, we, we get anxious because we do depend on money. We need money. We're anxious when we don't have money, right? We have placed so much importance on the outer things of this world. Our hearts have become so invested in the treasures on earth that when we think about not having those treasures, we become anxious and Jesus anticipating it as the master teacher he is. He knows immediately they're going to object. Wait a second, we need our money. He goes, don't Don't you worry your father in heaven knows what you need okay so we'll save that for tomorrow i don't want to preach tomorrow's sermon today let's close here but let me close with a challenge and ask you what role money has in your life and what steps you take to make sure that money is not substituting for god as your rock, as your strong tower, as your fortress, as the uh, the, uh, the solid ground under your feet, as your chief end, your purpose for, uh, for being. And I learned long ago, the one thing mammon or money cannot stand, the way we break the power of mammon and money in our lives is to give it away. It, mammon screams bloody murder and our own things you know somebody asked me to donate oh oh, i was going to use that money for something else money it has been said we don't possess money money possesses us and the way we break the power the the clenches of of money is to open-handedly give it away okay so church is doing fine. This is not an appeal for fundraising, okay? But it is the sense of how do we make sure that we don't fall into the clutches of mammon and it squeezes the life out of our souls. So let's, uh, let's close here. We'll continue tomorrow with the same theme and hopefully I've left you something to think about. Let's pray. Father, thank you that our security, our identity, our reason for being, our our, our value and worth, uh, our, 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 our sense of freedom is really grounded in you and in Jesus Christ and in what you have done for us in him. That you have secured our lives now and forever through the precious blood of Jesus. And so help us, Lord, to live into this reality of of the rival and and how this relationship we have with with money help us to be the poor in spirit and to receive your kingdom uh, with open hands. And so, Father, lead us, uh, lead us this day and into this week as we pray in the name of the Savior who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the unseen God, who loves you so deeply and demonstrated that love through Jesus Christ, May he pour into your life today through his spirit a deep sense of security and well-being and a freedom in Christ. May he do it this day and forevermore. Amen.